Now, you may have remembered my statement that there is a church in London. It used to be Mr. Spurgeon's church. Now it is uh, the pastor there is a man called Dr. Peter Masters. It is still called Metropolitan Tabernacle at Elephant and Castle, right in the very center of London. And in Mr. Spurgeon's day, of course, the Lord sent a wonderful period of revival. There were countless conversions and people saved, but it was also a very busy church. They had a number of various ministries. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Gallagher. Thank you for joining with us on the program today, and I trust that there will be a message for your own soul. Later in the program, we'll be turning to 1 Peter chapter 4 on gifts for ministry. But now we're turning to the Psalm 17, just for a few thoughts, meditations that will, I trust, stir your heart and lead you to a closer walk and fellowship with the Lord. In this Psalm 17, the psalmist prays, Hear the right, O Lord. Attend unto my cry, give ear unto my prayer, that goeth not out of fiend lips. Now, the right to be heard is based upon honesty and purity, that his request is by no means devious or deceitful, but it really is truly the desire of his heart. And that is how we pray. We come with our own true earnest petitions to plead with God, and we cry out, Hear the right, O Lord, attend unto my cry. Give ear unto my prayer. Then he goes on to say, Let my sentence come forth from thy presence. Let thine eyes behold the things that are equal. And if we can pray for God's eye to search us, God's eye to be upon us, then surely we have a case that we can open before the Lord and trust him to lead us and guide us. Thou hast proved mine heart. Thou hast visited me in the night. Thou hast tried me and shalt find nothing. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Oh, the danger of sinning in prayer, the danger of sinning and pleading with God without honesty and purity. This is one of the reasons why prayer is one of the most challenging things for any Christian, because it demands that we open our hearts and declare our all before God. There is no hiding here. There is no lurking in the shadows. We must ask God to shine the light into our very souls. In verse 4, the psalmist goes on to say, Concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips, I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. What a difference, the man of God in the world. He walks perhaps alone, but he does not follow in the footsteps of the wicked. Hold up my goings in thy paths, that thy, my footsteps slip not. In this world, we feel that we are walking in slippery places. We feel like we're walking across an icy pond, and that we need to be very careful lest we fall and slip. The Christian wants to guard his testimony by guarding his walk. And so we pray that prayer daily, Lord, hold me up. And indeed, the Lord is pleased to hear that prayer. 
Then he says, Show thy marvelous loving kindness, O thou that savest by thy right hand them which put their trust in thee from those that rise up against them. Here are a people that put their trust in the Lord. And as we put our trust in the Lord, we have his strength and help. Are you doing that today as you set out on your service for God? Put your trust in the name of the Lord. Put your heart and call upon the Lord to be your guide and your helper. I do thank you for joining with us on the program today, and I trust the Lord will guide you and direct you. Let's pray for that together. Father, we come in Jesus' name. We thank thee for the, the Psalms, the very prayer book of the Bible. And we ask that you will teach us how to pray. Give us those very requests and petitions which are according to your own will. And I pray for your blessing upon each hearer today, that as we open the Bible and turn to this passage in 1 Peter 4, that it will be a word just for the heart, a word to guide our footsteps, a word to hold us up, a word to keep us from falling, and to use us in your service and for your glory. Thank you for being our Savior today. And, O oh Lord, I pray that you'll bring the lost to a personal saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that this ministry would be that link from heaven to some lost needy soul, and that today that you would send your Holy Spirit to apply your word and save sinners. Now bless us and hear us for Jesus' sake. Amen. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of our Free Presbyterian Church, and this is Ian Golliher. Do thank you for joining with us on the program. Now, if we haven't heard from you and they've been listening in for some time, feel free to give us a call here or to email or to contact us through our website. And all the information on that will be given at the end of the program, and I trust that you'll stay tuned with us right through and that you will be uh, with us uh, as we go through the message here today in First Peter chapter 4. The ministry of gifts. And it is important that every Christian uses their own gifts, not uh, looking for some professional to do everything in the Lord's church. The Lord wants us to put our gifts to work, to be a people that are utilizing our talents, our time, and our treasure. And I hope today that as you stay tuned with us and listen to this message, that God will guide you in that respect and that you'll stay tuned with us right to the end when we'll give you the announcements and the details of our program. Thank you for listening as we turn now to the pulpit of our church to let the Bible speak. Preaching through a Bible book has many challenges, and it really shuts the preacher up to specific subjects, tasks, and issues that otherwise we may not even want to address. So as you take a book and start at chapter 1, verse 1, and work your way through, there is a sense in which you never know what you're going to get into before you get through preaching this book. Now, I began this series last January a year ago and preached on it right up through to May, and then we got into a, a different summer series on the eight um, key figures in the book of Genesis, then in the fall, we got into harvest and reformation themes. And then, of course, it was Christmas, and we preached on the incarnation. Then in the new year, we got back into chapter 4. So I think we're doing not too badly to be uh, now in the first Sunday of February 
And halfway through uh, chapter 4, I think, but then you never know. That's the nature of preaching, because it can be sometimes famine or feast. And sometimes you wonder, how am I even going to speak 15 minutes on this? And then other times it's like the boy's lunch. It just keeps multiplying and growing. Well, that happened last week as we got into this subject of gifts, especially when we launched out into some examination of gifts among charismatics. And I think you got the message that I do not believe for a moment that you will have an apostle in this present generation. Any man or woman who claims to be an apostle, a prophet, or a prophetess in the sense of doing miracles, of healing, of speaking in other people's languages, or in some heavenly angelic language, is to be treated as, well, great suspicion, with great suspicion, if not totally out to lunch. Now, the basis for saying that there are no apostles today is that there are some criteria of an apostle. And the apostle Paul lays these down because his apostleship was challenged. And there were those false apostles. They called themselves super apostles. And Paul laid down some criteria for an apostle. The first one is that you must have seen the living Lord Jesus. And he says, have not I seen the Lord Jesus? And of course, on the road to Damascus, the apostle Paul did see the living Christ with his own eyes, or at least the glory of the living Christ. And that is one mark of an apostle. The others, of course, that uh, were apostles, they were with Christ for three years in his earthly ministry. The other evidence, of course, is miracles. They raised the dead. They healed the blind. They raised the lame, and they did miracles that can be testified, that are accredited, genuine, and true. And it's a sad day in which we live when people claim these things but they do not by any means meet those criteria. Now, the verses we're looking at here in 1 Peter is uh, 10 uh, and 11. And you'll notice in verse 10, as every man hath received the gift. And we're talking about gifts and graces, things that are given to every Christian. And you'll notice that it does refer here to every man, every Christian that is, Everyone that is born again and spirit-filled is given gifts and given graces that they may serve the Lord. Now, to refresh our minds, uh, the three points we covered last week is that these are given, firstly, ministerially. They are to serve one another. Gifts are not given just to tickle. Gifts are not just for our own ends and some kind of sensation. They are given to serve the body. They're given ministerially. The other thing is they're given variously. Uh, your gift is not the same as mine. Indeed, uh, the Lord pours in his grace to one believer in a way that equips him for a task, 
uh, that another could not do. And we learned how important it is that every faculty in the body serves the, the, the head and does its particular function. We also notice that the Lord gives these gifts individually, and that every individual has a work to do, a task to perform, a role to play. Now, you may have remembered my statement that there is a church in London. It used to be Mr. Spurgeon's church. Now it is uh, the pastor there is a man called Dr. Peter Masters. It is still called Metropolitan Tabernacle at Elephant and Castle, right in the very center of London. And in Mr. Spurgeon's day, of course, the Lord sent a wonderful period of revival. There were countless conversions and people saved, but it was also a very busy church. They had a number of various ministries, and we're talking about days now of Charles Dickens, when uh, London was a cesspool of poverty and iniquity. There were pickpockets in the streets. There were uh, orphans that needed to be cared for. And that's another ministry that Mr. Spurgeon got involved in of commencing orphanages. And they realized that the Christian church is not just to put up a nice fancy building and to preach, but that there are various ministries that may be conducted. Now, I said last week that at the Metropolitan Tabernacle Church today, that if you become a member, you are expected to offer volunteer time. There's a commitment not just to attend and warm a pew, but also to serve the body of the church. Well, I want to back that up tonight with the wording right from their own website, uh, and they call themselves a working church. And it says, we try to honor the concept of the working church, which means that all true believers serve the Lord, if it is possible for them to do so, joining together in activities that bring glory to God. With this emphasis, a church may carry out large outreach efforts, Sunday school ministries, and so on. Christians are not just a Sunday audience, but a company of committed, dedicated workers for the Lord. And he goes on to talk about the prayer meeting, wider ministries, and indeed on to missionary endeavor. Now, just so that we get some perspective and some balance, I checked out some other churches. And there's a church in Mississippi, Reformed, uh, very active. And when we were designing our website, I got some uh, ideas from that and uh, went back to that and, and had a look and see what kind of exhortations or demands they make upon the Christian in their church. Well, they said that uh, the church policies, that there is personal stewardship. And I want you to take note of that word because that's the very word that Peter uses in 1 Peter chapter 4 when he talks about our stewardship. And he says, every believer, this is now the church down in Mississippi, every believer that God places in the church has a responsibility to give himself in personal commitment to the building up of the body of Christ. And they quote Ephesians 4.12. This involves the personal stewardship of time, talent, and treasure. 
And then it goes on to expand on that, how that a Christian is not just write a check and that's it. Um, that's never refused, of course. But uh, when you commit to a life of a church, that there ought to be every desire and effort to commit your time, your labor, your gift to put it to work for the sake of the body. Now, I want us to take these models. Some people might say, but that's demanding far too much. Uh, that's not what the Lord requires of a Christian. That's institutional, organized religion. And this is just, you know, North American 21st century organization. Well, there are various methods and how-tos in accomplishing tasks in the church. But the great principle of service, I think if we go back to these verses, we will see that they're all here. Now, there are six responsibilities that we have tonight in this command of using our gifts. Number one, we have a responsibility to minister to the body of Christ or the church. And it says here in verse 10, as every man, I want you to look it in your Bible, please. I want you to see that this is truly biblical and it is a plea and a principle, a truth that comes right out of this passage. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. Now, to do this, we need a high view of the Lord's church. The Lord has no special interest in institutions. You might have a great bank building, stock market building. You might have palaces of kings and places that are a tribute to the rich and the famous and so on. God is not interested in those things, but he is interested in the place where his people meet in his name to worship him. And the gospel church is his Jerusalem. His eye is upon his people. And in God's view, there is no more precious place, no more precious ministry than the gathering of his own people. And the, the view, the estimation, the value that God puts upon the gathering, the worship, the service of his church must be ours. Now, we're living in a culture today that has taken the estimation of the church and brought it right down to the mud. And that has been done by scandals. It has been done by religious confusion. It has been done by worldliness. It has been done by Christians that have just given up the whole biblical view of exalting the Lord in his church. Now, remember when Paul the apostle was persecuting the church and the Lord humbled him and spoke to Saul and said to him, why persecutest thou me? Saul, Lord, I haven't been persecuting you. Yes, I've been going after Christians. 
But the principle is that when you harm the body of God's people, you're directly opposing the Lord. Vice versa, when you minister to the body, when you encourage the saints, when you do your part with your time, talent, treasure to serve the body, the church of the Lord Jesus, you are exalting him and ministering unto him. Would you turn with me to Galatians 6 and verse 10 to see a, a truth that uh, really sets this uh, before our hearts tonight. We are told here that as we have therefore opportunity, and let's realize it, that the local living testimony of the church of the Lord Jesus is our opportunity. The very fact that you've come to worship tonight is my opportunity to preach. If you'd stayed home and watched television or had family time, uh, I would be preaching to empty pews. The very fact that we gather together as a church, as believers to worship the Lord Jesus, it's my opportunity to minister. It's your opportunity to come, to hear, to enter in, to pray, to encourage, to sing, to exalt the Lord. And it says here, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Now that is our desire, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. And there is God's interest. And there lies our deepest responsibility. And we would want to be a good citizen. We pay our taxes. We seek to hold up the laws of the land to make it a safe and a prosperous nation. But for the Christian. Our special interest is in that place where God's people meet, where the name of the Lord Jesus is honored. That is where my heart, my interest, my zeal, my energy is to be focused, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. The Lord's church is not to be neglected. Ministering to the saints is to be our top priority. I take you back here to verse uh, 8 again, where Peter says, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. Above all things. Now, in the course of a week, we do a lot of different things. Things that are good and necessary. Uh, all manner of activities. But the top priority of the Christian is that we may have this fervent charity, this service. You remember how we uh, explained the word charity? It's the agape love that serves. And right here, the whole context is of serving the Lord. And so this is indeed our responsibility. And we need this high view of the Lord's church. And we need to promote extend and minister through this work. Now, secondly, we have a responsibility to minister as good stewards. And you'll notice there in the verse <coughs> 10 that we're to do the same one to another, 
as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And that means that we are really caretakers. Now, a steward, as I mentioned, has a great responsibility. He is given the management, the care of, and the task of promoting uh, the estate. And one day he is going to give account. His master will return, and he must give account of his management of the farm or the business. Now, every one of us is going to give account uh, how we have cared for the Lord's church and for his people. And in the Lord's church, we are under shepherds, and we are to have a shepherd's heart. Not a heart to lord over men, but a heart that truly cares for the hurting and the needy. Now, a good steward will work with industry. A good steward will not do his task from bed. He'll not do his task from the armchair. He will need to get out into the field and to use his time well and be active. A good steward will also work with patience. It would be easy to give up at the first attempt and say it didn't work, throw it all behind you, and run off to some other task. A good steward will maintain and stick with the task and keep to the job. Now, in the Old Testament, uh, you read in the book of Exodus about a servant to a master who was free to go on Jubilee Day, that he could go out and leave his master and go to another task. But if he was given a wife by his master, and they had children, and he wanted to remain in that situation, that uh, it was the custom that if the servant would stay with his master, that they would take an awl, and they would bore a hole in the lobe of his ear. And from that day, he would be under the care of that master for the rest of his life. And of course, he would do so because he loves his master. And you know the hymn, I love, I love my master, I will not go out free. For he is my redeemer, he paid the price for me. I would not leave his service, it is so sweet and blessed. And in the weariest moments, he gives the truest rest. And so tonight, you and I need that dedication, that commitment to our Lord and Master. We have found his service to be sweet. We have found it to be good for our souls. It is our opportunity, and we will not go out and leave it. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca 
CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music